For the week ending on August 3rd, Philadelphia had a total record of 6-2 with the Phillies going 4-2, winning one series, the Fusion going 1-0 in their only match, winning it 3-1, and the Soul also going 1-0 with a 69-33 win. Nice. So much to talk about as always, so please sit down, relax, and enjoy your ride here on The Orange Line. So welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to your weekly source of Philly sports, The Orange Line, Philadelphia's first and only 8 for 8 sports podcast. I am your host, as always, Dr. PhD, here to break down some of the biggest and most important moments from the AFL, MLB, MLS, NBA, NFL, NHL, NLL, and OWL, all as it pertains to the city of brotherly love. And how do we do that? Well, we go from where we left off last week all the way, uh, going all the way from the least important news to the most important news. Um, and where did we leave off last week? Well, that's going to be with the 76ers and Mike Scott. Um, if you were not aware, he's going to be the honorary captain for the sole game that's happening this Sunday. So that's pretty fun. Mike Scott Hive still staying alive, something that we really enjoy here at the Orange Line. Uh, but in terms of other news for the Sixers and everything that happened this week, on Tuesday the 30th, the Sixers ended up signing a forward by the name of Trey Burke, who, from what I can hear, is a pretty good ball handler and a pretty good shooter, which is something that is very good for our bench, something that I'm very excited to see. Um, and he was met with a whole lot of excitement, especially from one Allen Iverson, who is someone that I know uh, Sixers fans might have heard of maybe once or twice. So that seems like a pretty good endorsement, at least to me. Um, and he also seems pretty excited to play. I know almost immediately after he's signed, he put out a video saying that he's excited to play for this team and uh, that the aspirations for this team seem pretty good and that his mentality going into it should be pretty decent and uh, he wants to get this championship. I absolutely love, love, love the enthusiasm. So you're right, Trey. Let's get this championship. In other news for the Sixers, on Thursday they announced that they're going to be rocking a classic edition jersey, which is going to be inspired by the 1970s jersey that says 70, uh, 76ers, I think, right on the front. It's really awesome. It looks dope. Uh, super excited to see you know Ben Simmons, JoJo, and our boy Mike Scott rocking these jerseys uh, for a few select games out there in the season. I got to cop one of them, honestly. I think I want to get a Mike Scott, but, uh, the jury's still out on that. Should be really, really cool to see, though. Um, but that is about it for the, uh, Philadelphia 76ers. So, let's move in to the Flyers. They didn't really have too much news for the team itself. A couple players changed their numbers. I think Philip Myers was one of them. He went from like 25 to 5 or something like that. I don't know. Um, but in terms of other news, on Sunday, uh, it was announced that there were 
uh, a few players that are Philadelphia Flyers prospects going to the World Junior Summer Showcase, which is just you know a big showcase to see who's going to be part of the uh, junior national teams and whatnot. Four of our Flyers prospects are going to be taking part in the showcase, four of which, uh, or those four I should say, are um, Joel Farabee, Bobby Brink, the man who I still think has the coolest name within the Flyers system, Cam York, and Adam Gunning, uh, Ginning, I should say, actually. And uh, so far, they've done pretty well. I know in three games, Joel Farabee has had two goals and one assist, which seems pretty endearing, I should say. Bobby Brink also has one assist, which actually came off of a Cam York goal, who has uh, one goal and one assist on his own. And uh, they've all played pretty well. Adam Ginning uh, hasn't had the most exciting uh, showcase, but he has done some very good things out there. And I believe Joel Farabee, Bobby Brink, and Cam York are all playing on the USA Blue team. So they uh, all got a chance to play together, which is pretty cool. And Adam Ginning, I think, is playing for Sweden. And he should be a shoe-in to end up making the Sweden national team. Not sure about our prospects, but from how good the report that I read was, it seems uh, pretty decent, pretty likely. I don't know. I don't know how uh, to put that one. But that is about it for the Philadelphia Flyers, so let's move in to talk about the Philadelphia Union. The Beast in the East actually had some pretty good news this week. Uh, Yamiro Montero uh, is returning to full training, which is very nice. He is our center midfielder, and he's been a pretty big piece to uh, what ends up making the Union a pretty decent team, if you ask me, at least. Uh, He went down on July 3rd, I believe, with an ankle sprain. It was a pretty hard tackle that ended up netting the other player. can't remember his name. He doesn't really matter. Uh, But ended up netting him a red card and a one-game suspension. So, obviously, it was a pretty bad tackle. Uh, Montero went down, has been out since, missed four games. And in those four games, the Union were only able to get four points, so... Maybe it'll be really, really nice to get him back into action and uh, playing at full power, uh, which this team is absolutely going to need. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, um, but we do have a match on Sunday, which is going to be against DC United in DC, and there's uh, a whole lot of implications that are going to be happening with this match which is why I kind of want to talk about it right now. Currently, we are in second place behind the Atlanta FC. I think that I don't think they have any special name. Uh, but we are in second, tied at 39 points, but they have a slightly better win-loss record than us. So these three points are going to be very important. But the interesting thing is three points behind us in fourth place is DC United. So they're going to be playing uh, really hard, trying to get into uh, this first, second-place spot where uh, we currently reside. So we have to play our best. We haven't really heard too much from uh, Casper Shabilko or uh, Ilsenio as of late, so hopefully they can start uh, producing once again. And uh, maybe if Montero is playing, he can add a spark to this team. The only thing that kind of worries me is that we uh, are playing on the road, which hasn't been the uh, Union strong suit this season. It's not that we've been playing terrible on the road, but we just haven't been playing as well. And I think this is the last game of a three-game road stretch, so hopefully we can close it out with a big win, come back home, and ride that momentum 
uh, because, I mean, as you know, here on the Orange Line, I love it when teams gain momentum, and I want them to ride that for as long as possible. But that is about all for the Philadelphia Union, so let's start talking about the Philadelphia Wings. Last week, I talked about a couple of the U.S. representatives that are playing in the uh, World Indoor Lacrosse Championships. Both of those players are Matt Rambo and Trevor Baptiste, two of our biggest players on the team. But the interesting thing is that they're not the only ones playing for the team. That's also going to be Blaze Reardon, Adam Asika, and Gawa Abrams. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, but all five of those players are going to be representing the U.S. team, which should be awesome, uh, considering the fact that uh, both Matt Rambo and Trevor Baptiste haven't had too much experience in the box, meaning indoor lacrosse for those who aren't totally into the lingo. But uh, yeah, it's going to be cool to see uh, a whole bunch of these Wings players getting time on a national level and hopefully representing the U.S. team. I think they finished with silver last year, so hopefully we can swing for gold this year. Also on Friday, there was a signing. The Wings signed a defenseman, Ian Lord. Ian Lord, I should say. I screwed that up a little bit. But he's a 34-year-old vet with uh, 12 years experience. So the Lord is finally in Philadelphia, and hopefully he has many blessings for us. Um, hopefully all of those blessings are experience for some of the younger kids like Matt Rambo, like Trevor Baptiste, some of these guys who haven't had too much time in the league. Show them the rope, show them uh, some of the uh, more important things. I know there might be a bit of a disconnect considering that Trevor Baptiste is a transitional player and Matt Rambo is an offensive player and he's a defensive player, but that's not the point. The point is that uh, they uh, need to continue to get used to the box and he is a guy that can absolutely help them interesting thing about him too is he actually started his career in philadelphia in 2007 so it's kind of cool that he's coming back uh he spent his last season with rochester and colorado uh being traded in the middle there totaling uh 15 games across the entire season so he has some experience and uh we also kind of need a defenseman as of right now if you remember we lost matt bamett in the expansion draft this year losing him to i think rochester interestingly enough but uh very very cool that we now have uh another defenseman to fill that spot and speaking of things that have wings i'm going to use that segue again let's talk about the philadelphia eagles they have so much going on in terms of training camp news lots of you know nice things to hear about Oh, Carson Wentz is throwing to Deshaun Jackson again, and these guys are doing great stuff on defense, and the secondary is doing this, and blah, blah, blah. It's all really nice to hear, but some of the more important news is that the Eagles ended up signing a safety in Jonathan Cyprian for one year, and uh, he actually has a pretty good history to him. In 2016, he led all safeties in tackles and uh, has had a nice history of getting a whole lot of tackles, I think about four seasons of 100 straight tackles which is pretty good. It's, you know, one of those endearing facts that I like so much. Um, and that was also his last full season in 2017. I think he missed about six games, and he missed all of last season, I think, to an ankle injury, maybe an Achilles. I can't remember. I apologize for that. Um, but this does add further depth to the uh, safety position and um, just the defense as a whole, which is something that I think is very, very good for the Eagles. Uh, I 
do believe that there are eight safeties on the team now, so we are going to have to start uh, whittling them down just a little bit. But uh, hopefully he can add a lot more depth to this team, which should be pretty good as of right now. And uh, some of the best things about this team is the wide receiver core. Um, and I know this because on Thursday, the first, Pro Football Focus, who is a uh, pretty widely respected, I guess, website, article, source, but they rank uh, all the different cores of you know football teams, and they ended up ranking the Eagles wide receiver core as number one in the league, which is something that I really enjoy. And it makes a lot of sense considering the fact that we have Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, you know Julie Ertz's husband, uh, Deshaun Jackson, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, who are all great um, you know, receivers in their own right. Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz have proved for the past two, three seasons that they are those main guys for the Eagles. They've done some incredibly good work for us for the past two years. Deshaun Jackson is a guy who has shown that if he has a capable quarterback throwing him the ball, he can absolutely do some incredible work. And J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, at least from what I'm hearing from the training camps and everything that I've heard from the Combine, he has been... Uh, on a pretty good track to have a pretty decent rookie year, so it's going to be really exciting to see what this wide receiver core can do. Also, we have Carson Wentz as our quarterback, who I know I do have my doubts about. I do think he has a lot that he does have to prove this season, but he is a pretty good quarterback, so long as he can stay healthy. So this wide receiver core should be looking pretty, pretty nicely. Um, and it's, it's going to add an interesting element to, uh, this team, you know, a, a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. We don't really want them to, uh, get the word out that we're going to be a pretty good team. We like being the underdogs because uh, hungry dogs run faster. Um, but, uh, that is about all for the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's start talking about the fusion. Why don't we? They're coming off of a pretty tough week in week one of stage four. They went 0-2 which is not something that we like to see. So they had to get back into it, start practicing, start getting their mentality uh, pretty focused and uh, get used to this new meta. They got back to the grind. The DPS players really had to uh, focus up, find their footing in this meta. And it seemed like they did, Carpe. Um, I remember last week I said that his one problem is that he wasn't really getting those late changes that could have been necessary, uh, namely off of the Reaper. But he did fix that this week, had some pretty good late late switches going from Reaper to, uh, I believe, McCree in some instances, which ended up uh, having a different damage output but worked for the fusion, which is something that I really, really liked. Um, and this week was actually really great. We uh, went 3-1, like I said, at the very beginning of the show. Uh, winning map one, three, and four, winning four in dominant fashion, which I'll get to in just a little bit. But I do want to talk about the fact that we kind of outplayed uh, the Houston Outlaws for most of this match. They um, they had some funky moments where they would have a whole lot of ultimates on the board. They would have four, five, six ultimates at a time, and it seemed like uh, they didn't really want to commit the ultimates to a fight, which ended up working in our favor, the fusion's favor, um, because if they weren't committing these, then we would have our opportunity to kind of move around them and outplay them, which is exactly what happened. We had a, uh, 
I think, a better use of ultimates to gain advantage and be able to make some really good pushes. The only time that we really struggled was on point B of map 2, where we kind of just got full held. It you know, wasn't the best, but uh, we absolutely turned it around in map 3 and map 4. Um, speaking of which, we had an absolutely insane overtime run on, because uh, going into map 4, you know, it's... Uh, you know, just move the payload from point A to B to C, get those three points, all really cool. And both of the teams were able to do that, but they were able to do it in overtime, which meant that they had to go back from the very beginning. They had a minute of time bank to get as far as they possibly could, and the fusion just set the bar way too high for the outlaws because we were able to ride the payload from point zero all the way to point C, gaining three more points and uh, going up 6-3 which is absolutely insane with a minute of time bank to do so. And uh, getting the full hold on defense was also great. Um, it, it just made us seem really, really good in that last moment um, with EQO being a, a standout star all match. He had some really good May wall placements and getting a whole bunch of blizzards that just seemed to be able to put a hold on some of the options that the Outlaws had and his Hanzo play being in that double sniper kind of meta with Carpe was great. They had great communication all match long, which obviously showed in how well they were able to output damage. So it's nice to see EQO getting back into that uh, monster DPS form. And hopefully when Carpe ends up leveling out with him, things can start really turning up. But this is super encouraging for the rest of this stage um, for the Philadelphia Fusion. And after this win, it ends up putting us in ninth place with a 13-11 and 11 overall record, which is tied for 7th uh, and 8th, I believe. We're only in, down in ninth because of the map differential. But I think this could be the sign of something turning around for us, you know, the play turning up for us, just like it did last season. So hopefully the Fusion can continue this trend of just playing really, really, really good Overwatch. And getting to Grand Finals in Philadelphia, I'm going to keep talking about it. Did you get your tickets? You should, because it's going to be a very fun time. But that's about it for the Philadelphia Fusion, so let's talk about the Phillies, why don't we? This one is a mouthful, so I had to take a sip there. But this week started off on Sunday. It was a game against... Holy cannoli, who did we play on Sunday? Um, I believe it was, sorry, as I look through my notes, it was Atlanta who we played, finishing up that series, which we had already lost, which is something that we do not really enjoy, but it was a NOLA day, so that was a fun way to start the week, Aaron NOLA always pitches a good game, and he did in this one, he goes six and two-thirds. Um, it wasn't his best outing. He did allow four runs but had eight strikeouts, so he was able to get the ball moving, obviously. But he got the uh, batting to help him out. Harper ended up hitting his 18th home run. Hazley hit his third. Real Muto his 14th, which was a grand slam. And Hoskins was able to hit his 22nd. So getting all of those runs, it did end up helping him out. Very, very nice. Which brings us into the Tuesday game which uh, saw us start the series against the Giants and uh, Drew Smiley 
was on the mound for us, getting his second start and his first at Citizens Bank Park as a Philly. And he pitched a pretty good game, too. He goes seven innings, five strikeouts, zero earned runs. Very nice. This is what I want. I need decent pitching in the starting rotation for this team. Hoskins was also a big help. He had another home run, his 23rd, giving him 68 RBIs so far at this point. Neris ended up getting his 19th save of the season, um, which was great. And we also like barely even got into the bullpen, which uh, was pretty good until... I hate using that segue uh, because it happens way too much. On Wednesday, we ended up having a pretty down game. Nick Pavetta ended up going uh, into the sixth inning, but he had five pretty decent innings up to that point, ended up losing it in the sixth, giving up two home runs, which just we don't really want to see. Couldn't get out of the sixth, unfortunately. Uh, and... The way I put this on my card is that the the Phillies looked like the Flyers offense where they just didn't really want to back up the goaltending situation. Like any time that Carter Hart wasn't in the net for the Flyers, it just seemed like the offense wasn't really into the game. And since there wasn't a, I'll say, a really good pitcher or one of the more consistent pitchers on the mound, it seemed like the bats just didn't want to show up. I know that's not necessarily how it works, but that's just how it felt. Um, weird thing to see though was Zach Eflin, uh, coming out of the bullpen in the ninth to close out the game. Um, I think that's a weird move to have him not be a starter. And, uh, I don't know. It it just seemed really weird to me, but, uh, it ended up going back up into a positive note on Thursday, the first, uh, where the Phillies ended up having a hitting battle with the Giants, uh, where we ended up winning that battle with 12 hits to their 10. But overall, we won the game 10-2, to which is really nice. The pitching ended up stranding eight Giants on uh, base in scoring position, which is something that is really, really good. I mean, we don't want to be in that situation where we have to strand people, but uh, the fact that we were able to do that, get out of some jams, is really, really appreciated. Jake Arrieta ended up going uh, four innings, which is pretty nice. Ended up kind of losing it a little bit in the fifth, which I don't want to see as a trend. I don't like when these players have a whole bunch of really good innings and then just, you know, kind of lose their mind in, you know, the fifth, the sixth inning. It's it's not a trend that I like to see. I honestly think that Arietta should go to rehab, which is why I think the Eflin move is really weird. Just let Arietta get to rehab. I'd rather have him at 100% rather than 80, 85%. That's just my opinion. Uh, also, JT Romuto, he stays hot. He had another home run, a three-run home run, so that's really good. Good for him. Uh, and that carried us into Friday's game, which was a really, really wonky game. We go 15. The Vitans go 15 innings in this game uh, and end up losing it. It was a really frustrating game. Had the lead going into the ninth with 3-2, uh, Two, I believe they ended up getting the tying run with two outs. Super frustrating. Um, but uh, unfortunately, Roman Quinn gets the loss. Yes, you heard that right. Roman Quinn, of all people, ends up uh, losing this game with uh, Vince Velasquez, Vinny Velo in left field for some reason. Super weird how this game ended. Uh, but he actually had a really stellar performance in left field. Ended up getting a nice assist on a. Uh, you know, game-saving uh, play, actually, gunning someone out who was trying to tag home, 
and uh, making a nice diving stop. So good job, Vinny Velo. Maybe you could change your positioning a little bit. I don't know. Uh, Nicasio was the one that couldn't really finish it, ended up uh, going two-thirds of the ninth, uh, gets himself into a little bit of jam, ends up costing a run in the uh, ninth inning which ultimately caused us to spiral into the 15th. Interesting facts, though. Uh, Roman Quinn ended up going 15 innings. Didn't pitch all 15, obviously, but was in the game for all 15. Pitched two innings and uh, ended up hitting a home run in this, which was his third one of the season. Really, really, uh, really weird stat. Um, uh, not weird stat, but one that is super upsetting is that the Phillies strand 11 in scoring position not what I want to see. But to round out the week, we had one last game on Saturday, which was pretty good. It was another NOLA day. Thank goodness for the NOLA days out there uh, with a Aaron NOLA, Nick Pavetta one-two punch kind of to avenge that weird loss the night before. It's good because of that minimal uh, bullpen use, but Aaron NOLA ended up going seven innings, only allowed three hits, had 10 strikeouts, and only one earned run. The cool thing about this, too, is that in the last three innings that Aaron NOLA pitched, he ended up getting seven strikeouts as opposed to three strikeouts in the first four innings. So uh, as, as the kid just keeps pitching, he just gets better and better. I love it. Uh, Nick Pavetta also had a pretty good outing, goes two innings, has four strikeouts, has one run, that which was not earned, so uh, good for you, Nick Pavetta. Um, in that game, we also got to see uh, Bryce Harper hit his 19th home run, 73rd RBI for him, good job. Hoskins ended up going back-to-back with him with his 24th home run and getting a super nice 69 RBIs on the year, so good job, Bryce and uh, Reese, nice to see. And to close out the story that I was talking about last week for my Dr. PhD pick of the week, we uh, can talk about the trade deadline a little bit. Not too many moves, which is a little upsetting for this team. I thought some of the bigger moves uh, should have gone in Philadelphia's favor. But the ones to really make a note of was um, the Phillies getting outfielder. I was going to say offensive defenseman. I I don't know why that was in my mind. But uh, we get Corey Dickerson from Pittsburgh, who uh, is currently hitting 317, which is really, really good. And uh, is a former gold glover, so he's going to add some depth in the outfield. Hopefully get a little bit more uh, batting experience and start sparking some stuff for this team. Very, very exciting news uh, in that regards. And we also got Jason Vargas, who did get his first start in um, Friday's game. No, not Friday's game. I believe it was... Sorry, let me take a look at my notes. Yeah, I think it was Friday's game. Um, he ended up going six and two thirds in that game, only striking out five, I believe. So not the most insane debut. Uh, just sucks that he wasn't able to get the win from that one. But that is about all for the Philadelphia Phillies. So let's talk about the heart and soul of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia soul. They had a great game last week against the Washington Valor. It was the first game of their home-at-home series for the playoffs to get in to Arena Bowl 32 this year. And uh, like I said, it was absolutely great for uh, Philadelphia. If you're not sure how this works, there's an aggregate score 
where you just have to score more points in total in these two games than uh, the other team scores in total. And we start off really, really good with a 36-point lead in the aggregate. So uh, that's great, but let's break down last week's game. Um, Darius Reynolds, who is someone that we knew we had to look out for, ended up getting his first wide receiver start since week one this year and absolutely had an incredible game, went 115 yards, three touchdowns, great, great effort from him. Uh, That's what we love to see from money, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we were also able to get a lot of pressure on Washington's QB he uh like I said last week is a two threat a dual threat quarterback who's able to run the ball pass the ball um which is something that we needed was to get pressure on him and it ended up working out ended up getting four turnovers three interceptions all of which went to James Roman which is awesome good for him um but the fact that we were able to get the pressure onto him means that that slowed that team down. We knew that was going to happen since he is the uh, league leader in interceptions, so continue that work this week against the uh, former uh, Arena Bowl champions. They were last year's Arena Bowl champions, if you were not aware. Uh, Dan Radabaugh also had a pretty good game, went 17 for 23, 284 yards in total. Uh, also was taking part in six touchdowns, so good for him. Uh, his favorite target on the day? was Darius Prince, another person I said to look out for, uh, keeping that streak alive, getting a touchdown in every single game this season. Had two touchdowns in this one, in fact, uh, went for 125 yards. So great stuff from uh, the soul. I hope they continue to keep it up. Hopefully Mike Scott brings them a whole lot of luck and good vibes this year. Um, But that does wrap everything up for this week. It seemed really good. We were very positive this week with a 6-2 record coming off of last week, which I believe was 3-5. So uh, hopefully things can turn around for Philadelphia. It's going to be a big week this week, so let's talk about the team schedules. The Phillies wrap up their series against the Chicago White Sox today. Um, And then on Monday through Wednesday, they're going to go to Arizona to play the Diamondbacks which should be an interesting series. And then we go and play the Giants once again in a four-game series, which is going to start on Thursday. But what we're keeping track of this week is Thursday through Saturday. So that is going to be the Phillies schedule. Fusion have two matches this week. One is happening on Sunday against the Toronto Defiant. Like I said, if you're in the area, in the North Philadelphia area, you want some B-dubs, you can hang out, watch some Fusion. That could be really fun. And then on Thursday, we get to play the Paris Eternal So uh, some big matches to continue week two and three for the Fusion. The Soul do wrap up their uh, home-at-home series for the playoffs against Washington on Sunday. Very, very important match there. The Union also have a match on Sunday. It's going to be at D.C. United. We talked about it. It's going to be a very tough one. Definitely important that we walk away with the win on that one. And the Eagles actually are holding their open practice on Sunday. So if you're not doing anything Sunday night, that could be something to look forward to. And then on Thursday, week one of preseason starts. It feels like, you know, it, it this all went by really quickly. I'm very excited for some football. And we're going to start preseason off with a home game against the Tennessee Titans. But that is everything you can look forward to in terms of the schedule. But... Are there any specific things that we should look out for? Yes, with the Dr. PhD, P. 
picks of the week. My favorite part of the week, it's going to be three things that I think you should look out for, two of which are going to be Philadelphia sports related, and the third one's kind of an oddball. I try to keep it Philadelphia related, but sometimes it's just a weird one. Uh, this week, number one is going to be the Philadelphia Soul, just like last week. They're in the playoffs. They deserve this spot, and just based off of how they played last week, it is true. They rolled through Washington away, and uh, they need to keep that momentum up going into this home game and then hopefully into Arena Bowl 32. Also, Aaron Washa is announced to be back in the starting lineup for the Philadelphia Soul. He was our number one wide receiver when Darius Reynolds uh, was not playing for us, so it's going to be great to have him back to uh, playing. He's going to be the player to watch in this game. Second pick, the second pick this week is going to be the Eagles, who have... Uh, a lot of buzz going around their training camp, a lot of you know news going about Carson Wentz to Deshaun Jackson. Like I said, what's happening in the backfield for defense, but uh, we got some preseason stuff to look forward to. This training camp is going to give us a bit of an idea of how these players are going to play, but it all doesn't matter if they can't do it in a game. This is our first week. How are we going to do? And for the third pick this week, if you're not aware, the Little League World Series is about to start up, and the Roslyn Rebels are going to be the PA representatives in the Little League World Series for uh, baseball. Very exciting. Should be really fun. It's actually really close to my home and Philadelphia as a total. So do us proud, boys. Enjoy the Little League World Series. This is an experience of a lifetime, and it should be really great to see. But that is the show this week. Thank you so much for watching or listening. If you're watching this, you can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere that you find uh, podcasts and streaming platforms. And if you're listening to this, you can watch this. Hello on YouTube. Um, it's going to be on my channel, Dr. PhD. You can just find it by searching up the Orange Line podcast or any variation of all of those words. Um, if you want to, you can follow me on social media. That's going to be at Dr. PhD, D-O-C-T-E-R-P-H-D, or at Orange Line Pod. That's going to be spelled exactly the way you think. Also, you can find us on Facebook, the Orange Line Podcast. But this has been the week in Philadelphia sports news. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm very excited, very encouraged by this week, and I hope you are as well. Should be a good one. So with all of that, I will bid you adieu. Have a great week, and I will see you next time.